0: Alright guys, you are locked on Falcons and I'm your host Aaron Freeman and today I am giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons 26-18 Thanksgiving night loss to the New Orleans Saints. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at fans, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Today is the Rapid Reaction coming at you uh, an hour or so after midnight on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving here in the States, giving you my initial takeaways and thoughts on the Falcons' Week 13 loss to the New Orleans Saints by a score of 26-18. Today, we're going to get into offense, defense, and, of course, special teams, which had a big, big impact on this game. And that's where our sort of lead story kicks things off. The Atlanta Falcons' 2019 record falls to 3-9 after a 26-18 loss to the Saints in Week 13. With that win, the now 10-2 Saints clinched their playoff berth with another NFC South Division crown, and the Falcons go back to the drawing board. When the Falcons look back at this loss that featured a near improbable and dramatic comeback at the very end, the play of the Falcons special teams unit stands out. Falcons kicker Young Wei Ku nearly redeemed some early mistakes when he managed to successfully boot a trio of onside kick that the Falcons managed to recover. Well, technically it was just two as the first one that was recovered by linebacker Foye Olakun was erroneously flagged for an off-size penalty on wide receiver Russell Gage that nullified the play. But then on the do-over on the very next snap, Ola Kuhn recovered the ball again. With the Falcons down 26-15 with three and a half minutes to go in the game at that point, They were able to move the ball into field goal range for Koo to make a 43-yard field goal to cut the Saints lead to eight points with two minutes left to go. Then the improbable happened when Koo's third onside kick attempt, second officially, was again recovered by the Falcons with Olokun disrupting the play and Falcon safety Kamal Ishmael snagging the ball away from a Saints player. However, the Falcons couldn't capitalize as Matt Ryan was sacked for the ninth time by Cameron Jordan who finished the game with four of those sacks to seal the Saints' victory. But one does wonder that despite the late game heroics by Koo, could the outcome have gone very differently had he managed to make a pair of early game kicks? Koo missed an extra point in the second quarter that cost the Falcons a point after a tough grab by Jaden Graham on an 18-yard receiving touchdown. At that point, the Saints held a 7-6 lead with the game potentially tied had Ku made that point after touchdown. Then on the ensuing Falcons series following a Saints field goal, Koo missed a 42-yard kick that could have cut the Saints lead to 10-9. Those two misses cost the Falcons four points. And in addition to a blocked Ryan Allen punt on the Falcons opening drive, which eventually led to that Saints first touchdown score, were the special teams' problems that plagued the Falcons early. If the team had managed to score those four points, after Russell Gage's 13-yard score in the fourth quarter that preempted the first successful onside kick recovery, instead of going for the failed two-point conversion after that score, the Falcons could have cut the Saints' lead down to 26-20. And after their initial successful onside kick recovery, instead of settling for the field goal, knowing that they were down two scores and trying to cut the lead down to one. They could have been just down one score. Maybe they succeed in getting the go-ahead touchdown with less than two minutes left in the game rather than settling for a field goal after a successful 18-yard conversion by Calvin Ridley. The coulda, woulda, shouldas are endless in this game. What if Matt Ryan doesn't throw two picks and fumbles? What if the Falcons could have protected Matt Ryan better? And what if the Falcons had gotten a couple more stops on defense? At the end of the day, the Falcons will be left wondering and replaying the plethora of mistakes that they made as they get a couple of days off to try to get back to full strength as they take on the Carolina Panthers in their third consecutive home game going into Week 14 including Thursday's loss of the Saints. The Falcons have lost five straight home games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium this season and will hope to snap that streak against a Panthers team that they beat 29-3 on the road in week 11. Hopefully then the Falcons will get back key contributors like wide receiver Julio Jones and tight end Austin Hooper who missed this Saints game with injuries to help spark a team that has had an offense that has gone six consecutive games without scoring more than two offensive touchdowns. So we'll continue our conversation on this game and what could have been starting with whether or not it's fair to blame Matt Ryan coming up on tonight's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But first, I'm wondering if you guys are thankful for the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to all 30 NBA teams, including the Atlanta Hawks. Find the Locked On Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this episode of the Locked On Falcons, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So we know at the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time, and watch some football. And whether you're watching Calvin Ridley snag improbable catches or Foye Olukun recovering impossible onside kicks. There's nothing quite like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should, too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, just like me, you should try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. But no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do so. So join now. MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON to double your first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play. You win. You get paid. So let's start the conversation off talking about the Falcons offense. And let's start the conversation off about whether or not we should blame Matt Ryan for this loss. And I certainly think Matt Ryan is not blameless. I wouldn't necessarily put the loss on Matt Ryan, but certainly he could have played a lot better. When you look at the underthrow of Calvin Ridley on what could have been a potential touchdown, they did draw a flag on that play. So it did happen to be a big play for the Falcons but it could have been a touchdown. You see them missing Ridley in the end zone on a fourth and one at the goal line. Uh, you, the interceptions, you know, I know people will sit there and say that, you know, it was Justin Hardy who ran the wrong route on the second interception. I don't think that was the case. I think looking at the replay, Matt Ryan wasn't looking at Justin Hardy at all on that play. He was looking at Russell Gage and, you know, I think threw a pass to a non-open receiver that was picked off. Uh, then you have the fumble. So you know, I'm sure when I go back and watch the film, I'll probably look back at some of those sacks and say, you know, Matt Ryan might be more to blame for that sack than necessarily offensive line. So is the loss on Matt Ryan? No. Did he play well? No. Are there valid excuses for why he didn't play well? Absolutely. Poor offensive line that was struggled particularly uh, mightily over the last three weeks and including uh, tonight. You take away very reliable receivers. And you're looking at Matt Ryan, as we saw throughout the night, scrambling to find open receivers, which may have led to him to hold on to the ball a little bit longer um, and led to some of those sacks. And, you know, when you look at Matt Ryan's career, he likes to make those decisions on who he's going to throw the ball to, you know, pre-snap, coming out of the huddle. He's like, I like this matchup. And when he has receivers, for the most part, that he doesn't trust – You know, it's going to create some problems for him after the snap. Then you couple that with the fact that because of the offensive line troubles, he's not having the time to go through the progressions that he kind of needs to, given the lesser quality of the wide receivers. And then you couple that with arguably middling play calling from Dirk Cutter. So, you know, again, the situation was not ideal for Matt Ryan. It's never as simple as blaming Matt Ryan. But if we're being honest... Matt Ryan could have definitely played better despite all of those issues, but he didn't, and that's kind of been one of the issues throughout the season. Now, does that mean that we need to have a referendum on Matt Ryan? No. Do we need to feel like we need to start planning for the replacement for Matt Ryan in the very near future? No. But obviously, who the Falcons hire as their next head coach and who he brings in as his offensive coordinator is going to be pivotal to whether or not we're going to get the maximum out of Matt Ryan over the next three to five years like we have gotten prior to this season over the previous three years. Are we going to go back to a 20, you know, is the 2019, 2015, 2014, 2013, 2011 Matt Ryan that is... A good quarterback, but is more of an above-average quarterback. Is more in that ten to twelve range than in that top three to five range. Is that going to be the Matt Ryan we're going to see? A lot of that doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, depend on Matt Ryan. It depends on sort of the supporting cast, and that includes the coaching staff. So that is a big question. And you know, part of that is going to have to deal with the offensive line. What can be said about the offensive line? It continues to be very problematic. At least as far as I'm concerned, it is what it is. You know, I know there's a large vocal contingent of fans that feel like heads must roll for the Falcons' offensive line issues. I get that sentiment. Um, If you believe that Thomas Dimitrov needs to basically take the fall for the Falcons' struggles up front, that's certainly your prerogative, and I'm not going to necessarily sit here and argue against it, and certainly that's going to be something that we will discuss quite a bit if he does wind up getting fired. And if he doesn't wind up getting fired, I'm still sure that we'll, we'll talk about it. But this is kind of what I was talking about back in April when I was sitting there saying, unlike the rest of the world, That we needed to address the offensive line in the draft because the signings that the Falcons made, the money that they spent on guys like Jamon Brown and Ty Sambrello and James Carpenter wasn't going to move the needle, wasn't going to upgrade the Falcons offensive line. You look at the 28 or so million dollars that the Falcons spent in guaranteed money in 2019 and 2020 to get those three guys under contract this offseason. It's kind of a waste and you know. It seems like that opinion, based off of how we've seen this team perform over the last 13 games or 13 weeks, has been vindicated. And it, this offensive line is going to be a work in progress. And it, again, that goes back to one of the things I talked about, which is why it was so important for Dirk Cutter to, to get this offense you know, on track and, and performing at a high level despite some of these issues. And we haven't necessarily seen that happen this year and so you look at that money spent on these free agents and you, you know of course i wonder you know the coulda shoulda woulda but you know that 28 million dollars of guaranteed money would have looked pretty good in, in some pass rushers pockets rather than in these offensive linemen that you know are probably many of whom are going to be back next year and one just hopes that the new offensive coordinator the new old line coach will be able to work with these guys in a better way than this current regime has and We'll just sort of have to see what development guys like Lindstrom and McGarry make in year two, if they can make big improvements, and, and what other additional moves the Falcons will make to try to address their offensive line woes. So it is what it is, really, at this point in time. The last little tidbit I'll say about the offense, will leave you off with a couple of positives. Uh, you know, Christian Blake performed much better than I expected going up against Eli Apple. You know, Russell Gage made some plays, had that touchdown late in the game. Didn't have quite the impact I wanted to see him from. You know, it was mostly the Calvin Ridley show. But, uh, you know, some positives there uh, for those guys and something that they can build upon in the future Um, and hopefully find some depth roles for this team in the future Uh, as, you know, I'm still advocating for the Falcons to add more explosive weapons on the outside at the wide receiver position this offseason. I'm sure that will fall on deaf ears because... Falcons going to Falcon, but again, that's a conversation for another day. So we'll come back and and wrap up today's episode talking about this Falcons defense and, and being a little bit more positive about the performance of this defense, at least upon initial viewing, because they actually kept this team competitive for the majority of this game. So we'll get there in just a moment. So as you guys treat yourself to Thanksgiving leftovers, that's not the only treats that you should be looking forward to this weekend. Treat yourself to a meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code On. And for those of you listening on the go, if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from the On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. So when those uh, leftovers run out, hit up DoorDash they got you hooked up, my friends. We saw the defense hang in there for about three quarters. Um, you know, the Falcons turned the ball over three times. They only gave up six points off of those three turnovers. They did give up a, t- a touchdown off of the block punt. But what can you say? I think the Saints started the ball like at the 20 or whatever the case may be. We didn't see the pass rush live up to expectations, particularly given their earlier performance against the Saints a couple of weeks ago. They didn't take advantage of the weak spots in the Saints O-line on that left side with the backups there. Um, But, you know, we saw the Saints purposefully try to get the ball out quickly to sort of limit the impact that the offensive line had. You know, certainly we can turn the attention to the Falcons offense in in terms of um, whether or not the Falcons could have been taking, borrowing from that script. But again, I think a lot of that probably when we go back and rewatch the film. Or should I say, when I go back and rewatch the film, we will look at and we will not see guys getting the, getting open quickly. Um, that was one of the things I noticed with these receivers after Julio went out in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Is that guys like Zacchaeus, guys like Blake, were really struggling against press coverage. And so I'll be curious to look at that and see if that you know. I don't think that's really as been a bit. As big an issue for the Saints receivers. Obviously, Michael Thomas being six foot four, it's hard to press. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, but we did see the defense get some stops. You know, they certainly had their fair share of breakdowns, missed tackles, a couple blown coverages—the usual that we see from this defense. But they got enough stops. They were playing that bend but don't break style of defense. The Saints were two for ten in the third on third downs. They were one for two in the red zone. And so, you know, you, those are positives that you can t- definitely take away from this defense. You know, the run defense gave up some big gashing plays. Kamara had a couple of nice runs obviously Taysom Hill continues to be the Falcons kryptonite for whatever reason when he touches the ball he just looks all world and everybody loves Taysom Hill and look I'm not going to sit here and deny that I'm jealous of Taysom Hill and that's part of the reason why I'm firmly on the Danny Ettling wagon. you know just be a poor man's Taysom Hill I would love that but yeah, they they had a couple of breakdowns there, but you know they did a good enough job keeping that running game contained, uh, particularly at the end of the game when the Saints were trying to run out the clock. The defense was getting enough stops to allow this team to get some stops and 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 come back in this game. Uh, you know we saw Michael Thomas did not have the impact he had in this one as he did in previous ones. Uh, he was held to six catches for forty-eight yards. It looked like Oliver played much better in this one than he did last time when, when, as I said many times, Thomas was running circles around him. Jared Cook did create some problems for the Falcons. He, he gave Rico Allen all that he could handle, but you know the Falcons benefited from a couple of drops. And so overall, I say kudos to the Falcons' defense. Um, it was by no means a great performance, but relatively speaking, they kept this game competitive. It just was simply that the offense couldn't really do anything. So I'm sure when I go back and I'll watch the film, I'll probably be able to find more issues with the defensive side of the ball and probably... Just like last time, I'll I'll probably come away thinking, you know, the Saints missed some golden opportunities with some of the drops or some misreads or whatever the case may be. But again, with this defense, with how this defense has performed this season, even when you say that, similar to the Carolina game a couple of weeks ago where I went back and it's like, ooh, you know, the the back end played poorly, but you had such a strong performance from the Falcons O-line, I mean D-line up front, that it kind of amassed those issues. And even though that... Overall, wasn't a great defensive performance, even as well as the scoreboard indicated. It still was one of the better defensive, certainly in the top three defensive performances we've seen from this team this season. And I'm sure that this one probably slots in somewhere either at three or four based off of my initial viewing of this game. So, um, you know, the the Eagles and and the first Saints game would probably be the top two. But so that will be something I'll, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on. Uh, when we rewatched the film and of course the special teams as i said at the top was a mixed bag we got some really good moments we got some really bad moments you know with young Wei Ku, you know the the good and the bad uh with the onsides and then the missed kicks you saw that pretty much across the board for the special teams unit you know ryan allen wasn't his fault that the punt got blocked early he had a, a couple of nice punts in there Um, you saw the big return from Deontay Harris that was called back, uh, from the coverage unit. We saw Kenyon Barner have his own big return early in the game. I think it was it on the first series or the second series of the game where he set up the Falcons pretty much at midfield. And of course they failed to capitalize on it. Thanks offense. Um, But, you know, then later in the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter, if I recall correctly, he stupidly decided to field a punt inside like the 10 and the Falcons were forced to start a drive at their own six, you know. Um, So, again, you saw some of the good and the bad with the special teams as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, we'll wrap up today's episode talking a little bit and leave you guys with a little bit of a positive. You know, I thought I liked that the Falcons showed some fight in this game. I was expecting a blowout, particularly based off of how this game started. You know, the first snap of the game, Matt Ryan takes a the sack. Then you get a run by Freeman for no gain on, on second and long. Then you get like a four-yard gain on third and 17. And then they follow that with a block punt. And it's like, oh, I, we've seen this one before against the Saints. This is about to be like a 35-7 to 7 type of loss for the Falcons. And it wasn't the case. And so, you know, it was an ugly game. It wasn't pretty by any means, but they stayed in it, Um, you know, as they are wont to do. They, you know, they're the emperors of garbage time, as I often joke. Um... And, you know, had they made some of these plays early in the game that were presented to them with the scores and the missed kicks and the fourth and fourth down conversions and all those various things, made some better play calls. You can certainly criticize maybe Dan Quinn's game management to a certain extent, although I didn't really have a problem with him going for it on some of those issues. I just had an issue with the play call and or, and, or the execution on, on some of those plays. You know, I, I think the Falcons really had an opportunity to steal this win is basically what I'm getting at. And it would have been, you know, arguably even more glorious in their previous win, just because, you know, you can certainly say that the Saints made some mistakes in that earlier game, and certainly I wouldn't begrudge anybody that said the Saints lost that game more so than the Falcons won that game. But it was one of the best performances we've seen from this Falcon team all season, so I don't want to go too far in that regard. But to basically play as sloppily as they did and to be in a position to steal this win... At the end, even given those issues, I think would have been amazing and obviously would have allowed us to continue our gloating over this Saints team against this biggest rival. So certainly, I you know, I, I'm not going to say the Falcons played well tonight, but they were in it. They made it an entertaining game, a sloppy game, you know, and they had their ups and downs throughout the nights, but they had some shots in this game. So I am certainly... On this Thanksgiving night in 2019, I am certainly thankful that they didn't completely embarrass us on national television. So, if there's anything positive to take from this game, that's what it is. Because it looked very rough starting this game. So, that's where I'll leave you guys. We'll come back probably Monday. So, if you have any questions or Comments or whatever, of course, you can send those in. We'll probably do a QA for Monday, a Monday mailbag, so to speak. So, send in any questions that you have on Twitter at Locked On Falcons, Facebook Locked On Falcons, or via email at LockedOnFalcons Falcons at mail.com. And we'll get to those on Monday. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend for those of you in the States. For those of you overseas, and this is just a normal weekend in late November, you know, do do you I don't know what do you do in Sweden what do you do in in Bahrain I don't know how to say it. Bahrain What is, what is that country um, I'm just randomly picking countries <laughs> uh, it's the end of the night it's, a, been a, it's been a long day so yeah do you you know whatever you do on a random late November weekend stay warm if you're in Sweden stay cool if you're in Bahrain I, I guess I don't know do, do whatever you guys want to do. I'm, I'm done. I'm rambling at this point. Until then, guys. You are Locked On Falcon, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.